Wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show when we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host. Every Tuesday and Wednesday It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again I'd love you to be able to join with us Now folks, look, if you haven't got the Faith FM app on your phone Then please rush to your Faith to your app store Download the Faith FM Australia app uh, That's what you're looking for and, uh, uh, and load it onto your phone That way you get, you get perfect reception Everywhere you go, fantastic uh, reception. Uh, some of our uh, low uh, low power FM stations don't don't give quite the reception uh, that we'd love to think that they would. But your Faith FM app is uh, is absolutely perfect uh, all the all the time. Uh, now, look, if you'd like to say hello to us, if you'd just like to give some feedback, uh, make a comment on something that we're speaking about, then you can do that by texting us here at our studio text number. That number. Is 0488 Now, this week, we're looking at a real beauty of our theme. Our theme this week is, is the good book too violent? Uh, last night, I had a real privilege to uh, listen to uh, my mates, uh, uh, Pastor Joseph Matichich and uh, Pastor uh, Will Mawala, and uh, they uh, they really presented some wonderful, wonderful thoughts. They looked at how the nature of man, uh, unfortunately, it seems to be predisposed to violence. And how that story is told within the scriptures. Today, we're looking at uh, the question of what did Jesus teach about violence? Now, uh, this this question is one Jesus said some super radical uh, quest, uh, re- super radical thoughts uh, on this particular issue. And today, we want to dig into what did he say, why did he say it, and what are the implications for for today? Now, of course, today our co-host is Eric Hoare. Now, Eric uh, is a uh, he's been a, a printer by trade. He's worked in as a literature evangelist. He's been selling uh, Christian literature door to door for most of his life, and currently he's ministering to the Adelaide Indigenous Seventh Day Adventist Church. And it's fantastic to have him back with us once again. Welcome to you, Eric. Well, thank you, Gary, and uh, hello to you, and hello to the listeners. Ah, it's wonderful to have you back again. Spring is almost here, isn't it good? Thank goodness for that. I'm a, I'm a bit sick of the wet weather. I think we've had more rain uh, in August than we have for about three or four years. Ah, it's been too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, look, I I have to admit. I mean, this winter has for me probably been the hard. I've been in Adelaide now for twenty years. Can't believe it's that long. And uh, uh, this would have to have been the the wettest and the coldest and most miserable. Uh, uh, winter we've ever ever had anywhere. And has it uh, affected your um, exercise program? Well I've been out the last, it, it's reduced my exercise program but I, it was 5 degrees this morning when <laughs> I was doing my 7.5 and, and I tell you what I mean um, uh, 
yeah, no. <laughs> it's uh, it's good to be getting close to spring, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, now, look, uh, today it's fantastic also. We've actually got a second person with us for the first part of our program, uh, and this is a little bit of a surprise to, uh, to, to Eric, and uh, that's Suzanne. Now, welcome to you, Suzanne. Hello, hello, how are you? Uh, Suzanne, it is fantastic to have you uh, on board with us. Now, of course, uh, Suzanne is uh, one of the, uh, the leaders of, uh, of uh, our church down there in, uh, uh, in Victor Harbour and has uh, functioned most of her life uh, also as a literature evangelist, distributing Christian literature, and has done a, a marvellous job at, at doing that. And probably, um, Suzanne, your, your most notable, uh, well, how shall I say, Eric's most notable claim to fame is uh, is the fact that you are Eric's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am. There's four four children. I'm the oldest, and you're the oldest. Look, I tell you what, uh, you know, I, uh, I I sort of thought I, I really wanted to surprise uh, Eric uh, Eric today by having his because there's some questions I really want to put to uh, to you about your growing up years. You know, there are some things that, you know, you try to keep secret. So we'll just talk between uh, you, me, and the gatepost. Uh, <laughs> just, be, just, be care- just be careful what you say, Suzanne. <laughs> Look, bef- before we go, though, there, however, um, uh, Suzanne, look, tell us, you live at Victor Harbour. For the sake of our listeners who aren't familiar with South Oz, where is Victor Harbour? Okay, so Victor Harbour is south of Adelaide, around about uh, an hour 20 or so from the city, um, and beautiful, uh, quite a well-known spot. Uh, a lot of people like to go there for holidays. Um, a lot of people around Australia actually know Victor Harbour. It's, it's a very beautiful place, and we have whales that uh, come through to the waters in winter, and um some lovely summer days, a little bit cooler than perhaps some of the other areas um, that you can get around um, Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand it's also the place where, I mean, we have our schoolies program. Some uh, of our listeners might relate to the schoolies program. Schoolies program every year happens down at Victor Harbour. So uh, what the Sunshine Coast is to uh, uh, to, to Queensland, uh, we are to you are uh, to uh, to here in uh, in South Oz. It's a it's a lovely location. I've spent holidays down there myself. A beautiful spot to uh, to actually live. Now, look, just tell us something. What is the church in Victor Harbour, I mean, you're one of the leaders of the of the church down there. What's it like? I mean, are people welcome to come? Oh, absolutely. So we're a family-style church. We're not a big church. Um, we have a mix of retirees and also families with young children. So uh, we have about, oh, I think it's about 12 or so uh, young people and teenagers there. And um, about an approximate congregation of around 35 people um, that attend. But, no, lovely church and on fire for God. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I know I'm going to be down there preaching down there in just a couple of uh, couple of weeks' time. I'm really looking forward to it because uh, uh, the trip down there is very beautiful. The congregation is super friendly. Uh, love uh, love visiting down there every time I go down. And, look, if people want to come and uh, if they happen to be travelling through Victor Harbour, where can they find you? Absolutely. So we're at um, in the Uniting Church Hall, 30 Victoria Street, Victor Harbour. We are a little bit different. We have an afternoon church. So our Sabbath school time starts at 1.30 and our church 
service time starts at 3 o'clock. Oh. Uh, every second week we have a, a meal of some sort there afterwards. So uh, a little tea afterwards there. So it's very, very good to come along. Um, this Sunday, if you want to do something a bit different, we are actually taking part in the Artisan Market under the ADRA um, Community Hub banner. Yeah. And uh, we'll be selling um, produce and hot food and there'll be books. There are all sorts of things on display, and that'll yeah. be going into helping with the needs of the community. Oh, I love the markets uh, down there. It's a it's a really beautiful, uh, wonderful event. But look, let's come to our uh, the reason I've actually got you on because one of the things I'd really love to chat to you about is your personal religious practice, and particularly when you were growing up. Uh, because one of the things that I became I became aware of is that, uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Eric is now a grandfather. Uh, uh, you're you're his daughter, but when when you were growing up, you had a thing called a family devotional time. You had you had family worship, as I as I understand it. Now, one of the things I'm really wanting to emphasise is the uh, I suppose personal spiritual development of uh, of children. Now, uh, you know you can now reflect back uh, through uh, through many many years, and uh, you know I'm just really interested. Can you just tell us? Some of our listeners may not be aware. What is family worship? Because I know that you guys uh, certainly were involved in this practice. What is that? Okay, so family worship um, is, somewhere, is something where the family gets together, uh, whatever um, sort of set up that your family is, and um, there's basically two ways um, you can meet, and it's a good practice actually, to have a morning worship and um, an evening worship. When I was growing up, we had an uh, evening worship. And in different styles, people do things different ways. Um, in my family, when we were growing up, um, with uh, four children and mum and dad, we would all get into the lounge, uh, we'd be after tea, we'd all relax, and we'd have a family worship time. And what that involved most of the time for us was um, having a daily devotional book. Okay. And so we would do a reading out of that. This was back in the <coughs> 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there were some good books back then. And I, I did uh, um, ring a couple of my brothers because um, some of them were a wee bit younger than me to ask if they could remember some of the names. And everyone remembered one book. It was called um, and Out of This World. Mm. And, I've uh, still got that book of, in my I still got that book in my library. So <laughs> 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 I love the <laughs> And and one brother, I won't name, uh, would say at the end of, of each reading that we'd have each night and he'd say, And it's out of this world and then he'd start saying it all the time through the day and we'd all go bonkers. But anyway <laughs> Did you remember <laughs> Great book. Do you remember, Suzanne, some of the um, Bible games we used to have, the big board games? Yes, and things. yes, yep, they were lots of fun. You can learn a lot even from, you know, Bible games where it asks questions and answers things, and the Bible stories are very good too, you know. Eric, look, just, just, just let me come in here. Why did you have, I mean, why did you feel it's so important that every evening... Uh, you gather together as a family and you have this thing called family worship. Why did you do that? Well, I think one of the big things, Gary, is that uh, when we go to church and you've got young children, 
um, you know, sometimes that's a lot over their heads. You know, it's a big day for them. Yeah. And for them to le- to learn about Christ, uh, basically, it really has to start in the home. And I think by doing that, it built. It didn't only just build their knowledge of Christ and and put into their life a foundation for later on. Mm. It actually brought the family closer together, because here was one aim, one unity, one God. And so it brought the family, I believe, so much closer together. So it serves several purposes of, of having worship. Um, and I think that uh, to get that grounding and understanding of God's word at an early age, then that's, uh, that's really benefited them from later on. I mean, they made, yeah. they made their own decisions for baptisms. We never, ever pressured our children to baptisms. Yeah, yeah. And we actually made it a fun time. I think that's the key, to have a, a really good time. It's not like being at school learning something it's a fun time where we all contribute and we laugh and you know but they learn at the same time did you find it a fun yeah. time because i'm conscious that many people would actually say uh suzanne that you know family worship that sounds like a fairly uh, boring thing to do no look you can change it to whatever way like these days for example for our family worship um sometimes we all sit in the lounge there and we'll pull up um a few YouTube clips and look at things because our kids range from 10 right up to 19, but still at home at the moment. And um, they get questions at school, um, their fellow peers saying to them um, things about creation, evolution debate, the validity of the Bible, you know, why don't you guys eat meat and all those sorts of things. So our kids want to be informed. And Mm. so they they drink it in. They really want to know. So it's, it's good for them to gain that knowledge, especially while they're young, to know why they believe what they believe. Mm. Mm, yeah, I, look, look. I know that uh, certainly when when we were having family worship, one of the th- ways that we often uh, started off was just simply a, a simple question: you know, how has your day been? You know, and I mean, just to be able to allow people to to go around and to share and say, hey, look, you know, this is what uh, this is what my day, what this is what I've been up to today, and you actually have yeah. a, have a catch up time. Um, yeah. yeah. And kids love routine. They really do. Um, if you do mm. that every night, they expect it. They enjoy that time together. And we think about the things that we want to pray for that need to be prayed for. You know, if there's someone at church that's really having a hard time, um, everybody sort of sits in what they think we should pray for and someone prays. And so it's always a really just a good consolidating time and we're praising God and, and looking out for each other. So how long did you, Eric, how, how long did your family worship take? I mean, are we talking half hour here? What, what are we talking? Oh, I would say um, mainly half hour max. You know, like we didn't go, you know, hugely long. Um, uh, but it depended on, on what we were talking about in the subject. I, I think it just, uh, it was just uh, something that we had the reading and then we had a talk about it afterwards and it just depended on the feedback and what we were talking about. But Suzanne makes a very good point there that, um, you know, they get used to the routine. They, it was part of their lives. Yeah. And once you get it part of your lives, uh, you know, you carry it on through your life, I think, and you still remember back. I know a lot of people, some people left the faith and they still remember those Bible stories and studies, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's important, mm, you know. Right. Yeah. I'm, inter- I'm interested that there's actually been a, a little bit of a change of format here because in your day, Eric, there's a book particularly that everybody uh, remembers and, of course, you're, pre, you're pre-internet like, like myself. Uh, that's certainly when, when we had our, had our children. But uh, now you're saying that you actually incorporate YouTube clips into, uh, into family worship. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Shannel's an avid consumer of bits and pieces, and so he'll see 
some pieces that he thinks, oh, yeah, the kids will be really, they'll really enjoy that. So, yeah, <laughs> he just has them sitting there. And, yeah, it's for our worship, like, guys, 15 minutes, our worship. Sometimes our worship is, is just a prayer because it's just um, a bit of a crazy yeah. night. Someone got back late. Um, yeah. But we always try to do it because, yeah, routine and, and doing that is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know how much uh, this, how valuable this practice is, particularly in the media-centric age in which we're living today because yeah. uh, you know yeah. I'm, I'm conscious that it's so easy to let the pace of life simply take over so that you never actually have opportunity to be able to catch up with what other people mm. are actually doing even within your own family and to actually have this time when you can say whoops we're going to stop tonight you know whether it's at seven yeah. o'clock when a regular time before the kids go to bed if they're younger uh, or before they do their homework if they're a little bit older uh, you know to be able to turn around and say, hey, look, I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn off the, you know, the, the commercial television uh, and I'm going to actually take part in, you know, sharing together at a family. Uh, to me, I look at this and I say, hey, you know, this has got something in it uh, that I think, you know, has the potential to be incredibly powerful. I mean, um, you know, it's something that I... I'm interested, Suzanne, that you had when you were growing up as a child and you chose to carry it on into your own marriage. Yes, and I know all my brothers uh, do that as well. So it's obviously made a big impact in our lives when we were younger and wanted to do the same with our children because we do live in a world that is quite crazy and to have that solid foundation where the family comes together I would absolutely recommend it to anyone. And it, it affects everyday life doesn't it, Suzanne? I remember I was either you or Ashley but I remember at school when you when you went to school or, or Ashley was gone I can't remember what, who was telling me the story that um, you know you didn't swear and there are other people swearing around all the, the children at school and but once they noticed that you know it was either you or Ashley weren't swearing they stopped swearing around you and respected that Mm. Yeah, that's right. People so, notice. And, people notice, um, yeah. yeah, they ask purely questions and you can ask those purely questions at home and you look it up and you find mm. out and you give your yeah. child a basis to know. It, they actually gi- mm. they it actually gives a safe time, doesn't it, to be able to turn around yeah. as a family, and particularly if uh, people, as a, uh, when their children are young, it's so important to start this habit when they are very young and uh, so that uh, our children actually grow up with it. It's more and more difficult the older uh, people get to introduce a new uh, a new habit. And, you know, folks, folks, I'd encourage you, you know, if you haven't been uh, had the, the privilege of uh, of having a family worship, I know in our family, uh, you know, when our children were young, we'd actually uh, sing some, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tone deaf, but we would actually sing, uh, believe it or not, uh, some simple songs for the, uh, with, with the kids. Um, they would have some uh, simple instruments. My wife actually, actually made, I think she called a busy book where, you know, you'd play with the children for, uh, for for just 10 or, or 15 minutes read them some uh, uh, some bible stories we've still got those uh, those books at uh, at home and uh, and yeah, certain and, and certainly, and it's interesting that uh, those Bible books are actually books that I know both yourself, Suzanne, and, and Eric. I know that you've both sold them. Uh, they're wonderful, wonderful books. Um, folks, I'd just recommend it to you. If you haven't uh, experienced the privilege of family worship, it really is something that's worth giving a go 
if you possibly can. Uh, right now, uh, let's come. Uh, Suzanne, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Really appreciate your, your input. Love to get you back again at some, uh, at some future time. May the Lord richly bless you. Yeah, please, yes. Thank you, Gary. Sorry? I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed my time, and I would uh, just a little plug out there for everyone that um, uh, listening to Faith FM in the mornings is a great way too to um, have it on speaker or Google Home and let your children listen to that in the mornings too. Ah, yeah, that's excellent. That what an excellent suggestion. I didn't. I'd certainly back that up and encourage that. Um, thank you so much, uh, Suzanne. Really appreciate your input. Let's come to some music. This is Michael W. Smith, and the uh, song is "Ancient Ancient Words." Please. Please enjoy.
And that was Michael W. Smith, and uh, the song was Ancient Words. Uh, love that uh, particular rendition. Uh, now, folks, look, we do have our giveaway book today. Now, look, our giveaway today uh, is uh, Desmond Doss, Conscientious Objector, the story of an unlikely hero. Now, this book is a real little ripper. Uh, this is that we've been talking just a, a few moments ago about uh, having family worship. Now, look, sometimes people struggle and they say, hey, look, what is it that I could actually share at, uh, at family worship? Now, this book uh, is a book of uh, a fact full of adventure. Now, of course, a film's been made uh, entitled uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, it's one of those those films. It's, it's certainly got a got a high rating. Um, I certainly wouldn't encourage it for uh, certainly younger, uh, younger children. Uh, but... Uh, um, but this book uh, is in story in story form. This is the sort of book that you may like uh, to be able to uh, to read uh, to uh, maybe um, early teenage uh, children uh, during a family worship uh, type uh, type time. It's something that I believe uh, they they may um, appreciate. Now, Eric, tell me. You've read this book? Yes. Yeah, I'm actually reading it again for about the third time, I think, right uh, at the uh, moment. How are you finding it? Yeah, it's amazing that you're talking about this book tonight because I've got it sitting beside my bed. Uh, and when I go home, I'll probably be reading a few more pages. Um, I found it really inspiring. Uh, it talks about uh, um, Desmond Doss, who's a Seventh Adventist, uh, called up to the army and he enlisted as a non-combatant. Combatant. He wanted to go uh, into the first aid section to help soldiers and he was actually put into a a rifle regiment mm. where they wanted him to carry a gun. Mm. Uh, and then it, uh, he got ridiculed for his beliefs. He would pray in the morning at night and he'd have boots and all sorts of things thrown at him. Uh, but he stuck to his principles. Um, he actually wanted Sabbath off, a seventh day of the week to go and, and worship. And he had to fight for that and he got that off, uh, often. Uh, and then, um, the people that were against him to begin with, uh, actually came to respect him because, uh, he was faithful and caring for them. I remember early in the story, they went on a march and um, a lot of the men suffered with blisters and all sorts. And Desmond Doss was running around helping them out. And he actually won their respect through the care that he showed others. And yeah. that comes out in the story of the principles of the Bible. He stuck to the word of God. Yeah. It's really inspiring. And, he, yeah. and at the end, he, I don't want to tell too much about the story, but he does save a lot of men at the end. And it's, it's, it, he got some medals. And it's a terrific story. Easy to read. Yeah. And it's not very thick. It's, it's one that I don't like great big thick books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this one, and as you say, you could use it for a devotional for teenagers and for adults. It's a wonderful book. Yeah. I'd highly recommend this book. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's mm. that's very true. In fact, I this week we're actually talking about the subject of violence, and this this is a man who was forced to deal, you know, Second World War. You know, we're talking about huge, right in the midst of violence, and yet he was prepared to do something. He was prepared to practically. Put into practice that which most people would say was physically impossible to actually uh, put into practice, and uh, t- to me, it just ties together a couple of different themes that we're looking at today. You know, you've got this, you know, family worship. Why not give it a go? And uh, hey, here's something that talks about uh, violence and the way one man uh, did actually deal with it. The book again is entitled Desmond Doss, Conscientious Objector: The Story of an Unlikely 
hero. And look, if you'd like your own copy of uh, of uh, Desmond Doss, Conscientious Objector, then all you need to do is to text us here at our uh, drive time number. It's 04888 80811. 04888 80811 and all you need to do is to give us the code SA69 SA69 uh, no gap between the SA and the 69 and we will uh, get this to you in the fastest possible way it'll actually go through to our robot our robot he'll respond to you uh, he'll ask you a few questions so that uh, we can get your address and uh, get this to you uh, as fast as uh, as is physically uh, possible. Uh, Desmond Doss, conscientious objector, the story of an unlikely hero, and that code is SA69, and our number is 04888808811. Now, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary, and today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and currently he pastors the Adelaide Aboriginal uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church, and this week we're looking at the theme... Is the good book too violent? <laughs> now that's a question and a half. Uh, yesterday, uh, our our guys uh, looked at, really appreciated what uh, Joseph and Will shared uh, yesterday. Uh, what is why does the Bible they asked contain so much violence and so much of that uh, comes back to the reality of human nature? What the Bible is recording is the facts of what are occurring uh, here on on planet Earth today. We're starting to look at uh, why did Jesus? What did Jesus teach about violence? Now. Eric, they're probably some of the most uh, radical teachings in the entire Bible, yet uh, some would say that the teachings of Jesus about violence are actually so idealistic that they can't be reasonably adopted. So, Eric, I suppose, help us out. What did uh, the what does did Jesus teach about violence, and can they be reasonably adopted? Yeah, well, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding on what Jesus actually said about violence as well in the Bible. Uh, some people take uh, what he said and 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 actually use it. In fact, uh, if you look at what Gandhi said uh, about the Bible, he said, uh, "I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Um, your Christians are so unlike your Christ." Isn't that amazing that he yeah, would say that, yeah, that yeah. Uh, followers of, uh, of Jesus would, uh, would come over that way? And, you know, Christianity is the largest religion in the world. I was really amazed to read that 32.5% of the world's population actually profess that they are Christians. And that relates to about 2.18 billion people around the world. Wow. And yet when you look at the countries that, that they take it from, you look at the Democratic Republic of the Congo, 95.7% of its population are Christians, which is incredible. Um, Mexico, 95% profess that they are Christians. The Philippines, 93%. And yet when you look at the crime rate and the killings in these countries, they are some of the highest in the world. The United mm. States is nearly up to 80% who say, look, they are Christians, and yet the people murdered there through killings. Uh, um, so... Does Christianity work in these countries? Is, is this what you know? Is this what it's saying here? Well, yeah. there's a lot of misunderstanding yeah. uh, of, that we even as Christians can understand about this topic. It's a big one today, yeah. a huge yeah. one. Yeah. And many of the critics of the Bible will use the violence in the Bible 
uh, and also some of the things that Jesus said without without understanding what he's actually doing. They actually use it against Christians, don't they? They do, yeah, and that's one of the things that a lot of people tell me that they they won't uh, become Christians, they won't follow Christ because of the hypocritical nature of the people in the church yeah, yeah. or the violence that's been shown yeah, in there. Yeah. So you're right on that. So um, so many people are put off from following Christ because of violence in the name of Christ. But, you know, Christ tells us throughout Scripture, when you look it up, is that uh, Christians are to be peacemakers in the world, mm. are actually to be different to the violence that's in the world, yeah, yeah. but actually to uh, to judge that. And, you know, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, uh, found in Matthew 5, chapters 5, 6, and 7, um, one of the uh, verses there, Matthew 5, 9, says, uh, Blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. So Christ's followers should be characteristic by a living a way that leads to peace, totally the opposite of a life characterized by violence and strife. So Christ brought peace to the world. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. you look before the fall and and see what it was like. There was there was no killing. There was no violence. Christ does not like doesn't want violence in the world. Mm. Uh, and yet, there are, that we as Christians can um, can show violence to other people that bring down the name of Christ. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. turn, and this is a this is a realistic thing today. Yeah, yeah. And, and and look, the natural thing for most people is actually to uh, to fly off the handle. You know, if somebody offends me, what I turn around and do is I fly off the handle. I respond in a negative manner. Whereas uh, to me, as I look at the scriptures, when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, Spirit, their response is actually so different. Uh, and, you know, to me, I'm conscious that there are many people who claim the name of Christians who actually have never come to understand uh, what happens when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would suggest... Uh, most of them are actually not filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, and and people um, cannot understand um, how a, a Christian can be so passive in their reactions because they're looking. Uh, people in the world uh, who don't believe in Christ also look for reaction. They do something for reaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was tormented um, when things started changing my life. Um, I was tormented by some of my friends because they were looking for a reaction of the old Eric. Yes, yes, yes. You know, uh, and we've all been through that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we get it in the world, you yeah. know, and um, they don't like to see a reaction that's actually peaceful. Yeah, yeah. Which is incredible. It actually stirs up resentment and anger in people. Did you notice mm. that that transition in your own life? Uh or did others, because I'm conscious that sometimes people say, hey, look, you know, I haven't, you know, others sometimes notice what sometimes I don't even notice myself. Oh, that's true. I, I, I think when you're concentrating on Scripture and you see what he's saying and you follow what Christ is saying, what the Holy, how the Holy Spirit's leading you, you do change. Um, but other things change around you. You're... Um, you know, when you're talking about the love of Christ, and, the, and tonight we're talking about the love of our fellow man, not to have evil in our hearts, to create harm to others. When you start to look into that, it changes your life in several different directions. And people did did see a change, and I started getting reactions from who I thought were my friends. Yeah. Um, but there were some that stuck by me. So the thing is that when when this change of, of the way you see and the way you want to react to people, the best advice is actually found in scripture that will actually change your life. Mm. Um, 
And to actually get to the point of having that relationship with Jesus and seeing what he says, I mean, even in Matthew, uh, for instance, Matthew 5, 21 and 22, uh, you know, he was talking about the actual sixth commandment, thou shall not kill. It says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Uh, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother and a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother and sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. And I looked up the word Raka to see what that actually means. And in Arabic, it's a term of reproach used by the Jews in, in our Saviour's time on earth. And it means calling somebody worthless. Uh, it's sometimes translated as you're a fool or you're useless, um, uh, even rendered cursed or you're empty headed. Um, so using this word in anger against someone places them on dangerous ground. Even that, Christ says, you're not showing love for other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, to me, what I think is so beautiful about this is what Christ is doing is spiritualizing the law. Now, of course, if you actually go back to the law or the Ten Commandments, there is a commandment there that talks about thou shalt not kill. Now, of course, on Thursday, we're actually going to dig into uh, that particular commandment uh, a lot more uh, a lot more deeply because, in fact, that commandment uh, talks about uh, murder, but it's different to killing. And mm. we're going to dig into exactly what was actually being said in that commandment. That commandment is really so, so instructive because there are some things which sometimes we have read into that commandment that are actually not there. So folks, I'd encourage you to please uh, come to our program on, uh, uh, tune into our program on Thursday. But the thing I appreciate what you're saying there, Eric, is that what we've actually got, uh, is, uh, Christ in Certainly the Sermon on the Mount is actually wanting to spiritualize the law. He's wanting to give the, the spiritual implications of what's actually going. You know, you know, you have heard it said in the Old Testament, thou shalt not kill. But I say to you, and of course, Raka, you know, another way you can actually translate it is, um, um, do not speak to your brother with contempt in your voice. You've heard mm. it said to those of old, you shall not, um, commit murder. But I say to you, I, you don't even speak to somebody with contempt in your voice. Jesus was trying to dig into the, uh, the spiritual meaning behind the law because we as uh, as uh, as humans we have a major problem and that's with a a naturally a sinful sinful self mm. uh, we have something that uh, you know naturally responds in a negative way until there's actually a change and the Holy Spirit fills a person's life, and then a change starts to take place. Yeah, and I think Jesus was digging into the new life that you have now, and the old life was the way that you would respond. He's saying, no, 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 that's yeah. not the way. Yeah. This is a new life. This is a way of upholding people. And he's saying this, uh, one of the last things he said uh, on earth to them, uh, to the disciples, was um, actually, well, Matthew five thirty-eight thirty-nine. 39, it says, you have said, you have heard it said that it was eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And this verse is badly mis misunderstood sometimes. Um, uh, it says here that um, after thousands of years of Christian influence, and in fact because of that influence, modern people often think that this is a cruel standard. 
In truth, God established this to limit violence and revenge. The point of eye for an eye was that punishment is to be proportional to the crime rather than everlasting uh, cycle of revenge. He's saying that if something happens, you know, um, you must uh, understand uh, what's happened and, and deal with it. Jesus does not dispute the legal aspects of eye for an eye so far as they apply to a courtroom or the government, but in personal terms, he sets it much more challenging standard. Limiting revenge is not God's intent for the hearts of his people. Refusing revenge is God's will. And mm. Jesus' command to his followers, this does not mean that Christians cannot flee, nor does it mean that blatant violence and evil should be met with total pacifism. It does mean that as far as we're able, Christians are not to return evil to evil. And this is is consistent with Jesus' comments about turning the other cheek. And in the ancient world, the right hand was always assumed to be the dominant. Mm. Jesus especially refers to the right cheek here. That implies a backhanded movement. To slap someone on the right cheek with the right hand is more intimate it's more intimate and it's abuse to them because for me to slap um, the right hand of your face when I'm facing you, it's actually got to be a backhand, mm. and that and, the, and that is actually more of an offence than than a right hand. But you've got to understand that this was a slap, um, and so uh, you know uh, it, it's quite a passive thing. In fact, if you remember General Patton years ago, uh, he was going through. Um, a, uh, uh, in the hospital in August the 3rd, 1943, uh, Lieutenant General George S. Panton slapped a, a hospitalized soldier. He accused him of cowardice. The slap did not really harm the soldier and it was not intended to do so. Panton's intent was to insult him, to shame him, and the incident almost ended Peyton's career. So what it's saying here is that if somebody slaps you on one side and you let him slap you on the other, then you you just take that. It's not a big not a big deal. Yeah, it's being passive in your response to what's happening. Yeah. It's yeah. not a big blow. It's something that can happen. But you know, uh, he, he's not saying that this is um this is something that you need to to take. If somebody, for instance, um, um, you know, broke your tooth, will you say break the other tooth? It's not that at all. What it's saying here is that um, we are to, um, we can stand up for ourselves. We we should be able to um, to not just, uh, um, if someone was going to rape your daughter, would you, would you defend that? Of course you would. Yes. Of course you yes, would. Yes. It's not that at all. Uh, he's just saying that we need to understand that we, the way we retaliate. It's the, it's the cycle of revenge yes. that Christ is trying to change here because it's so simple, you know, that uh, if in fact somebody does, you know, you see it just in simple driving down the road. Uh, on one hand, uh, you know, somebody um, offends me by cutting in front of me. Uh, what does that mean? Well, that means I've got to uh, blast my horn at him long and loud in response you know there's revenge he's got to put his hand out the window and uh, he's got to raise certain fingers at, at me in response uh, I go and cut in front of him until finally there's the inevitable you know the, the cycle of revenge has finally led to maybe death on the road and to me as I look at this I'm sort of saying hey you know what we've got in the New Testament here is uh, Christ is actually wanting to cut break stop that cycle of revenge. That's but right. look, Eric, yeah. let's come to some music because our time is starting to get away from us. Sure. Uh, let's come to Heritage Singers. Uh, no more night. I uh, love uh, this uh, this particular rendition. Please, please enjoy Heritage. Uh, no more night. Mm-hmm. 
heaven will pass away. It's not a dream. God will make all things new. That day, gone is the curse from which I stumbled and fell. Even is banished to eternal hell. No more night, no more
Heritage. Uh, that's Heritage and uh, No More Night. Uh, uh, thank you so much. That was uh, that was wonderful. Now, folks, we do have uh, our giveaway book for today is Desmond Doss, Conscientious Objector, the story of an unlikely hero. Uh, and uh, that uh, that book is available to you uh, right now, uh, free. Uh, there's uh, no cost, no obligation. Now, uh, drive time. Uh, if you want to just text us on our drive time number, 04888 80811 and just the code is SA69. Uh, this is a really butte, uh, butte book. Uh, it's an inspirational book. It, uh, it's certainly a book, uh, talking about how, uh, how one man, uh, dealt with the, uh, issue of, uh, of violence. Uh, it's, uh, it's a book I believe you'll very greatly appreciate. SA69 is the code and that number again is 04888 80811. Uh, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Eric Hoare. And Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you'd like to comment, uh, our text is exactly the same number there, 04888 uh, Now this week we are looking at the theme, is the good book too violent? Uh, yesterday we looked at why does the Bible contain so much violence and we looked at the reality of human nature. Uh, today we're looking at what did Jesus teach about violence. Now, hey, whatever else we say, Jesus taught some incredibly radical things uh, that have the uh, had the potential uh, to uh, certainly transform all of society. Bring it together for us, Eric. We've got about, uh, about five minutes. We've talked about uh, how Christ t- tells us to be peacemakers, but there was something that Christ said which really interested me that's a bit controversial. So I'm going to bring it up, Pastor Gary. Um, and it's found in Luke uh, 22, 35 to 36. It says, uh, Christ says, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? This is when Christ sent his disciples out mm. first on the mission. Mm. And then on verse 36, it says, uh, But now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no, no sword sell his cloak and b- actually buy a sword. Which is uh, very interesting. Uh, now things have changed for the disciples. Now they go out in a mission, they'll find trouble and suffering. People are not going to be opening their doors and inviting mm-hmm. you to preach. They're going to actually fight, face yeah, a hostile yeah, world. Yeah. And, and the missionary situation uh, would be very dangerous. The situation would be so dangerous that Jesus tells his disciples that if they do not own a sword, they need to sell a cloak and buy a sword. This sword is not a sword to attack people who do not accept their preaching. This is not the message at all. The point is that they would need a sword to defend them the sword shows how they're going to be received by the world as they go out. And and so this is talking about self-defense here. And yeah. I, I think that, you know, if my family was being attacked, uh, as one of the comments said, you know, I, I would defend my family. Yes. And I think that's reasonable. And, in fact, if you remember... And that's what Christ, I think, is actually saying here, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, I mean, he's not saying for us... Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the ideal is that, um, you know, we would be all be peacemakers, and that's fine, we are, but... There are times, and even yeah. Jesus found in his time when he when he did stand up. Like for instance, um, what about the Jesus who, upon seeing the money change in the temple, praying on the poor on the poor, grew so angry, overturned their tables to stop the taking advantage of the poor people through yeah. escalating prices. Yeah. Uh, what about the Jesus who was when confronted with the death penalty as prescribed by the law, intervened and stopped it from happening? Yeah. Thou shalt not murder. I mean, these are the things where you. You've got to take the circumstances 
into, yeah, into the situation. Indeed. And when we get yeah. to the get to Thursday and we start to dig into, because we're actually going to go into this thou shalt not kill commandment because mm. it's so important that we do actually understand what that commandment does say because what we've got there is a commandment to kill, but kill in the definition of the commandment is actually different to, to murder. There are, there are certain circumstances that uh, uh, that commandment actually doesn't apply to. And uh, to me, uh, it actually speaks to us as Christians. You know, how do we, you know, they're, they're, uh, we, we don't want to uh, be the ones to initiate uh, violence, mm-hmm. but is it, uh, def- is it uh, acceptable to defend oneself? Well, apparently, certainly if you look at, you know, the new, the, the Old Testament uh, examples, apparently, that is the case. Mm. And, you know, uh, the idea will be Matthew seven twelve in the world today. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, you also do to them, you know, to show love and respect to all. That is the ultimate yeah. thing for everybody. But today it's not. We're getting into a more violent world, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so um, I think Christ has some wonderful words. I think it's a good thing for everybody to study and get that balance because it has to be yeah. a balance. There yeah. is a time. To I, think, I, I think the challenge, however, that we do face is that our society as a whole has actually accepted Accepted a degree of violence uh, that is, uh, to me, objectionable. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you certainly get onto, uh, you know, just onto the onto Hollywood. You know, a violence is certainly part of every single movie uh, movie script. Uh, and as a society, we've actually come to accept that violence is uh, normal and necessary. Whereas what Christ is saying is, no, violence is not normal. For the Christian person, neither is it always necessary. And yet we have come to accept that it is normal and necessary. The reality is, it's not. No. Um, but, uh, you know, how do we respond in a situation where, you know, a family member is re- attacked? Well, certainly, there are certainly significant Old Testament examples there that uh, talk about, you know, defense. You know, you talk about this, you know, Christ, you know, talking about, you know, buy, buying a sword. You know, I mean, this is, this is a difficult thing to challenge with. Uh, to, and yet, I'm so conscious when the Holy Spirit actually comes into a person's heart, when it comes into the person's mind, what happens is their way of thinking starts to change. And, you know, they starting to rely on the power of God, not on the power of humanity and some mighty arm that they might have. And I think quickly to finish is that it's the difference between the old self and the new self. The old self would deal with violence, would deal in this this particular situation. The new self would look at alternatives, do it in a different way. Exactly. Uh, you know, not take that personal insult, but to treat that person with love. That's the difference that yeah. we're talking about tonight. Yeah. He yeah. says defend yourself, but he said, you know, there's many ways of, of defending yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. and to me, the I mean, again, I recommend that book. I mean, to me, Desmond Doss, to this, Day stands to be a, uh, in a, a, it's a mind blowing example mm. of, of how it is possible, uh, to live, uh, in a peaceful manner in a world that is racked with violence. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. I want to say thank you for being our God. Lord, thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, these are difficult issues. Lord, we struggle with them. We don't have perfect answers. Uh, Lord, uh, I just just pray uh, that you might uh, might be be with us. Lord, give us a, a full and complete understanding uh, of what the scriptures are saying on this subject that day by day we might come uh, to live more uh, like the wonderful uh, example 
example of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' uh, wonderful name. Uh, Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be digging more into the subject of uh, is the good book uh, too violent? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.